Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and I'm so glad that you joined us here today. We are going to talk about menopause and fitness because menopause is a natural phase of a woman's life, and yet it can lead to uncomfortable changes that alter how a woman feels mentally physically and emotionally. But I really believe that with increased education and awareness in the medical community and in the fitness community, we can help women transition smoothly and experience less discomfort. And most importantly, feel more empowered, not like they're losing control of their body, but in fact, they're moving into another phase where they feel more in control of their body and their mind and their emotions. So I called a friend on today. Her name is Carrie Ann Madden, and she is an NASM master trainer. She's also a medical menopause specialist, and she's going to help us better understand how do we program effectively for women in this phase of their life and what is the importance of physical activity during the menopausal transition and just help us to understand menopause a little bit differently from a unique angle. So Carrie Ann, let's bring you on and have you introduce yourself. Hey Angie. Hi, um, I'm Carrie Madden and I am, uh, as you said, I'm a master trainer from NASM. Uh, I live in the Northeast of the United States where it is very cold today. So I'm bundled up in my sweater. But I loved your intro. That was perfect. I was nodding my head and I'm so excited for our conversation. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm here in Charlotte and it's actually pretty warm, but I did just get back from Mexico where it was extremely warm. So it was still a shock to come back to this weather. So, um, so Carrie, do you want me to call you Carrie or Carrie Ann, by the way? What's your preferable? That is a great question. So there is actually a famous young adult book author named Carrie Madden. So when I started my business, I had to differentiate myself. So that's why you'll see Carrie Ann Madden. That's the best way to find me. But all my friends call me Carrie. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to consider myself a friend, Carrie. So let's do this. Wonderful. Let's invite menopause into this conversation and talk right. about how fitness plays a role. Because I think that we as a fitness community, I think that we have a right and a responsibility to help women through this phase and not make women feel, again, disempowered, but to make them feel empowered through their mind and their body and their spirit as they go through this phase. It was such a hush-hush topic, especially you know for years and years. No one talked about it. Almost like there was something wrong with a woman when she was going through this transition. And now the medical and the fitness communities are like, what are we doing? Like, this is a natural phase. This could be a beautiful phase. So let's talk about, I would like to ask you, Carrie, um, how did you get on this path to focus on menopause? Um, give us like the soundbite version, because I know you have a big, deep background. What got you leading down this path? The short answer is my own story of my journey through menopause. And the long answer, which I won't make it too long, but it was the perfect storm of COVID happening. I got laid off from my, my full-time job and I had this long break in between jobs. During that time, before that time, I actually started noticing what I thought were symptoms of being overstressed. And it made me more stressed because I couldn't, despite being a fitness professional and having all these resources at my fingertips, I couldn't seem to get traction on feeling better. 
And so I didn't really put two and two together until I had this four-month hiatus of a full-time job where I didn't have any stress. I was lucky enough to receive some unemployment, so there wasn't financial stress. I didn't have a commute anymore. Everything was centered around my home with my family, whom I love, so no stress. But yet my symptoms were even getting worse. So that's what set me on the path of and it's a philosophy I've had about everything when I've gone through a, a difficult situation in my life is that if there is something that I can learn to help myself, in turn, I'm going to be able to share that information and help other people. So I, I took this really difficult situation and said, how can I help other people with it? And that started the path of learning and reading and listening to get me to where I am now. And that is continuing on the learning path. But I've learned a lot in the meantime. Yeah. Well, I think it's always better when it comes from a personal place. I think that as to your point, our deepest hardships end up being the best path to helping other people in the middle of going through it. We're not having any fun. Let's be, let's be, you know, let's face it. But when we're through, we realize, you know what, I can take this. I learned through this. I grew through this and now I can help other people. And what better way to, you know, come at it from an authentic point of view. Um, it's not like, oh, this is a place where there's money to be made. It's a, it's a, it's a place of, Hey, I was really uncomfortable and I want to help other women because I know they're uncomfortable too. So um, you are a menopause fitness specialist. I know that's through MedFit and I know you've deepened your education. You mentioned to me, you've read a lot on Dr. Stacy Sims and um, you know, you've, you've really immersed yourself in this content and education and training surrounding menopause, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So here you are. So good. Then I'm going to pick your brain. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, you know, you had, you and I had talked about, there were some strategies that you tried and you learned and maybe some work for you, but some don't work for other people. But tell us about, let's kind of start on those strategies. Cause I feel like there's so much overwhelming information out there. It's just like everything. When we start to talk about something, we're like swimming in a pool of research and products. And it's like, ah, oh, how do we make sense of all this? How do we just get to the core issue, which is how do I help my client? Exactly. And I think that at the beginning of my journey, I was trying to throw everything that I could at the situation. And as fitness professionals, we might have a better way of distilling information to make it more accessible. But in this case, I found that I really needed to dial it down to one strategy at a time and look for evidence-based solutions. So a lot of watchers and listeners of the podcast will notice if they just Google menopause or menopause symptom relief, you'll get the gamut of everything from an Instagram ad that is there every single time you turn it on to <laughs> some really sciencey things. And so when we go to help our clients with this, I feel the most important strategy that we can have as fitness professionals is to be really good listeners mm -hmm. because every woman's journey is so different and some strategies will work and help. Uh, sometimes they take a long time to figure out if they will make a dent in, in the situation. But at the same time, just like if we throw random exercises at a client and we don't really keep track of how how they're progressing through their program, it's the same with these strategies. So I always encourage people to start a journal or 
there are some really great apps out there. Uh, I have a Garmin watch and Garmin has included some perimenopause tracking to it oh, wow. as well as there's another app out there called Wild AI. And they they also will help with tracking uh, regular cycling symptoms, okay. but also menopause and perimenopause symptoms. So well, having that strategy is very helpful because then you can start to see if any of these strategies that we will talk about um, are, are actually working and okay. when to say, okay, let's try something else. So let's stay with that number one, because I'm, I, I have to tell you, you had me at be a good listener. You had me right there. I feel like we could end the podcast right now because really, <clears throat> isn't that the solution to everything? is that we all want to be heard and validated. Um, I don't care if I'm right. I don't care if I'm wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong a million times over. Just hear me and validate me and listen to my thoughts and my words and what I'm experiencing. And then automatically you have me right there because I know that you care enough to hear me. And you're not comparing me to, well, the textbook says this. Well, that's not what the research says. Well, that's probably not menopause or discounting me. Cause I think a lot of people get into the, um, well, I'm going to argue that one because that's not what I read about, or that's not a typical symptom. And you know what? We are not, um, we are, we are not all category, you know, specific. So what I symptom and how I experience different things is going to be different from you. And I don't care if it's in the textbooks. I just want you to hear me and not look at me like I have six heads. So I love that because you said be a really good listener. But Carrie, before we pro progress, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't actually explain what menopause is. That's you know, I feel like we need to get that out there, right? Like exactly define menopause because there's some confusion about that too. What's menopause? What's perimenopause? What's postmenopause? So can we go there real quick? Absolutely. So perimenopause is that time before a woman enters into menopause. And menopause is actually just one day in time where it's been 365 days since her last menstrual, menstrual cycle. And then everything after that one day in time is postmenopause. So the rest of a woman's life. Isn't Which that funny? Because I don't think time. that that's very well understood, right? So perimenopause, we don't know how long that's going to last, but we know that, you know, menopause is that one day in time. And, uh, and so to define menopause, you have to go 12 months without a period, correct? And then everything after that, you're in postmenopause. And the interesting piece, Angie, is that those 12 months prior to that one day, that's not perimenopause. It could be years beforehand. It could be as early as someone in their 20s if they've had a surgical menopause, or yes. maybe they went through a cancer treatment where they went through a medical menopause. But it could happen for someone who is having regular reproductive cycles as early as their mid to late 30s. Okay. Yeah. I'm really glad you clarified that because I do think, again, we would be remiss if we didn't actually define menopause because there's also a lot of confusion about that. Right. So, um, so that, you know, we now know what menopause is. We've defined peri post menopause, and we've talked about the first strategy really to help women is to listen. And, and, you know, if there's men listening, honestly, that's, that's the freest, you know, listening is free. And uh, you don't have to have solutions. Women often don't want solutions. They just want you to listen, right? So um, what's another strategy then that is evidence-based that whether it works for you or not, something that you have found to be very effective in helping women? 
I'm just going to quickly piggyback off of something you just said, and then I'll jump into that. Sure. And to tag along with being a really good listener is to also not be ready with a solution right away. Yeah. So you, if you've heard of motivational interviewing before, and I'm sure you have, Angie, because mm -hmm. I know you're all about really good listening skills, but taking a little bit of time to look into that, there's some great books and there's podcasts and um, interviews on how to do motiva motivational interviewing. It just really helps you get to the heart of the matter to really help someone versus rushing in with a solution. So I thought that the listening and the motivational interviewing go really nicely together. So I the agree. Number one strategy, actually, a five, but they're, okay. they're pretty quick. And no, let's just um, do one at a time. Let's 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 time. go one at a time. Let's build this sandwich slowly. <laughs> sleep, Angie, sleep. It's also one of the number one problems next to hot flashes because those often go hand in hand. So if a woman is having trouble, uh, or I should say any person who was born with ovaries will go through menopause. So mm -hmm. we need to make that clear because we will have a variety of different clients and we should know that anyone who was born with ovaries will go through menopause. So that being said, hot flashes and difficulty sleeping are probably the number two uh, number one and number two issues that, that people going through perimenopause and menopause deal with. And so being able to sleep is like, I always tell my clients, sleep is a superpower. And mm -hmm. one of my good friends, Leslie, one time said um, that if sleep was invented as a performance enhancing drug, it would be banned because that's how impactful it is on our ability to manage mm -hmm. stress our, our hunger and satiety, our, uh, our ability to um, exercise and, and move and feel good. So the number one strategy I have for street sleep is to start looking at the hours before sleep and how you can maximize bringing your brain down to a more relaxed state. We could spend three hours talking about how to do that uh, but sleep would be my number one place to start with managing symptoms. Okay. Well, I like that. And I want to kind of tag off a couple of things that you said. Yes, I'm a huge motivational interviewing fanatic and I've addressed it on my podcast a number of times. So absolutely, um, you're, you're spot on. If you want to become a better listener, employ techniques from motivational interviewing. I even taught a session on it at Optima and uh, it's out there. I've got a lot of work on motivational interviewing out there, but it's one of the best ways to learn how to lean into listening. So um, sleep, Carrie, you said, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I actually have a sleep specialist coming on um, in the near future. And so sleep is my nemesis. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Sleep can make me feel absolutely crazy when I don't get it. And I want to go back to listening for a minute because I'm going to I'm going to tell all you sleep deprived women out there. First of all, you're not alone. But secondly, honestly, with sleep with me, I do want someone to listen. If I want to wake up and have a moment, I call it having a moment. And I want to just digress. Maybe it leads to tears, frustration, I don't know, punching a pillow. But if I just want to talk about how difficult sleep is for me, I just want someone to listen. It may be something that I talk about every day for two years straight because that is where I'm at. It's a pain point for me. And I do think that if you can validate your clients and say, I totally hear you, I'm with you, I can only imagine how frustrating that is. 
sit with it for a bit before you start saying, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Because chances are those women have tried everything under the sun and then some. So to go right into solutions really leads me into this place of ugliness. My, my, I start to feel ugly toward this person who is like looking at me like, well, duh, of course I've tried all those things. But Carrie, before we go any further, I also want to reset. I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. And I'm talking to Carrie Ann Madden. And she is, we are talking about menopause and fitness. And Carrie Ann is an NASM master instructor. And she's also a menopause specialist. And so, um, so we're talking about sleep. And Carrie, you mentioned that one of the best things is to think about the few hours leading up to sleep. And I agree with you. I always have to be conscientious of what am I doing right before I go to bed? Um, you know, if I start to fill out a, a presenter application to speak at a conference and I stay up till midnight and then I try to go to bed, yes, yeah, sleep's not happening. So you're spot on. It has a lot to do with what's happening before I actually try to lay my head down on that pillow. <laughs> and there's some really good research coming out about how, um, cognitive behavioral therapy is very yeah. helpful with that. So it's not just about having a bad night's sleep. It's also about, did I do I feel refreshed when I get up in the morning? So sometimes we can survive without a lot of sleep. Uh, it, those of us who have had small babies and now yeah. mine are much older and I'm, I'm still here, though it's very difficult and acknowledging that it's very difficult at the time, and honoring that you may need to take it a little bit easier that day. The stressing about the falling asleep, staying asleep, waking up and being, ah, I'm awake. All yeah. of those things can lead to it being more difficult. So right. looking into some strategies that involve cognitive behavioral therapy, that's some evidence-based uh, research that's uh, coming out that seems very promising about helping people with the sleep issue. I agree. And you know what, and to your point, we could talk all day about sleep, but I have someone coming on and there is a lot of information out there, but I agree it needed to be talked about. And, you know, I think the other thing I'll leave on the sleep issue is self-compassion. Um, mm -hmm. I have to honor myself with some self-compassion and wrap myself in a warm blanket and say, you know what, I understand this is difficult for you, but being anxious about it is not going to help you. And so there you go. I do a lot of journaling before I go to bed to free my mind. And that absolutely helps. So Carrie, we've talked about being a good listener. We've talked about sleep. What's another strategy that you use to help women that is, that is founded in evidence that we can all support? I, I feel like I'm just ringing the bell that every uh, personal trainer and nutrition coach rings and says, healthy food, whole yeah. foods, your nutrition can really play a key part, especially with some of the vasomotor symptoms. Those are the hot flashes, having trouble regulating your temperature during menopause. So things like alcohol can really impact that feeling of, of heat rising. I've heard of people calling it a heat flush rather mm -hmm. than a hot flash because sometimes it feels like it's rising up. So alcohol, spicy foods, those things can really impact um, a person's experience with those vasomotor symptoms. So limiting or eliminating. And I know I speak to a lot of women and because of the stress factor, which we will talk about in a second, they often feel the need to unwind with something mm -hmm. like a glass of wine at the end of the day. And it is very helpful in that short term feeling, feeling better because 
everything starts to relax. But the flip side is the the benefit isn't always uh, there's not a payoff in the end when it comes to hot flashes and our our nutrition intake overall, right? Because it's still caloric, so we might not be as hungry to eat some of our whole foods, but it will mm -hmm. also disrupt sleep and those vasomotor symptoms. So nutrition, nutrition, nutrition is really helpful. Well, and, and I think sometimes sleep, if you've got the sleep, it's a little bit easier to right. manage Absolutely. your nutrition when you're not feeling so deprived and wanting to eat um, yeah. foods out of stress. <clears throat> and I think I would add to that, not being above, um, as trainers working with other specialists. So I actually hired a nutritionist who I've had on this podcast and I worked with her recently because um, I do have a sweet tooth and when I don't sleep, that's when I more want the icky foods. And so we worked a lot on, you know, how do I improve my nutrient intake and not necessarily what can I get rid of, but what can I add? And I do things now having that sweet tooth where I make like no bake cookies with that have all healthy ingredients, flaxseed and all those other things that I need. And that really has helped me. So I think that we have to also honor that as we go through different phases and you have to honor this for your clients, their needs are going to become different. So maybe they never had a sweet tooth, but all of a sudden their palate seems to change and, and they're more stressed and they're going through this different season and now they want sweets or they want um, salt. Okay. So there it goes back to listening and saying it makes sense because your whole body is changing. Your hormones are changing. So what you crave is going to look different, right? And that makes great sense. Um, I've read recently that for every behavior, and if we want to call, you know, eating some sweets as a behavior, we'll call it that in this context, that everything we do serves a purpose. So I like to think of what what is the benefit of continuing to eat those sweets? There, there's no moral value to food, right? But yeah. if I am craving that food because it gives me comfort, that that's something that we can look at as a team. So maybe I have a, a new uh, registered dietitian helping me that as we're working with that client, that we can look at how it's helping them and at the same time, it's on a continuum, right? It might not be helping them reach their goals, but at the same time, it is benefiting them. So taking the time to look at that instead of having um, a client or yourself feel bad about a certain food, looking right. at how that is serving you in that moment. Right. I love that. So that we've talked about... again, right? What's that? And there's that self-compassion again, instead yes. of, oh, I've been bad and hit myself over right. the head with a bat, find yep. that self-compassion. I just don't believe in shame when it comes to food. You know, I believe there are things that we can do in addition that can make us feel better and can serve us better, but I don't believe in the whole shame, you know, surrounding it. So I love this. So Carrie, what, what else would you say? What else, what's another strategy that you found that helps women? Cause we've talked about listening and we've talked about obviously sleep and nutritional intake, but what's another strategy that you think can help women through this transition? I bet all the listeners can guess what's next. You've got two fitness professionals sitting here talking to you. Well, yes, movement. we're going to tell them to exercise. Movement. But yes. but can can we go a little deeper into that sure. though? Because we know that we know that. But what would be different about movement during this phase than well, during? I'm going to just bring us back to the OPT model. So <laughs> and assessing first. So if you're watching and you're a personal trainer, or you're listening to the podcast really making sure that you assess a client going through the menopausal transition. 
One, because we want to address any muscle imbalances and through the overhead squat assessment, we'll be able to see that. And then if we're taking our clients through the OPT model, then we're going to help them have a safe progression to what some of the research is indicating our best practices for women and our people in this age demographic. And that is actually lifting heavy stuff. So talking about our phase four and phase five and plyometric work. Those stimulus, the, the stimulus from that two types of exercise are really helpful when uh, someone's energy and the, I'm sorry, their, um, their hormones are fluctuating and then eventually flatlining. And I'm, I'm talking about estrogen and that's a giant topic because there's more than one type of estrogen, but suffice it to say that because those hormones are changing, our muscles need a different stimulus to mm -hmm. keep them from succumbing to sarcopenia or to stave off osteoporosis and osteopenia. Well, and you know, that's where a lot of good information is, is, is in the women's fitness specialist with NASM, oh, the such latest. Such a great course, Andrew. Um, and that's how we met. That is exactly because I wrote about menopause in my chapter on core and pretty much every chapter addressed the menopausal transition. And it does, it comes up in research again and again and again, lift heavy stuff and then do the plyometric exercise. And so it's, it's actually an opposition, I think, to what a lot of women go to during menopause because they're like, oh, well, I'm picking up extra weight. I need to do cardio, 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 cardio. But really coming from somebody like me, who's losing bone density rapidly, I just need to keep lifting heavy stuff. Okay, so um, and if, you're, if we're if we're talking about uh, the demographic of people going through menopause at this time in in twenty twenty two, a lot of these women are myself included are from the generation of no fat, low fat, no carbs, high carbs, eat less, exercise more, and that. Yeah. That formula doesn't work with this age demographic anymore. So that is something to keep in mind as well. If, if you're a woman through this transition, that the things that we've done in the past aren't serving our bodies anymore. But with that little yeah. asterisk that we can't just jump into, all I've been doing is cardio and lifting light weights to lifting heavy weights. That That's yeah. where I really want to recommend the OPT model. It's helped me, my, myself, my body, and my clients avoid injury and progress to the point where they can lift that heavy stuff. And to feel empowered. I mean, how yes. empowering is it to be of a certain age and demographic and then all of a sudden to realize you you are so empowered through heavy weightlifting, something that you never even considered in, in your younger years. And what I love is when I go to the gym now, I see all these young women and they are just like powerhouses and they are, they're lifting heavy stuff. And I'm like, yes, because that is not how I was raised and that's not where you found women. And so I love seeing that. And I love that during this menopause pause transition. We're like, you know, we can get in there too. So, um, that's great. So, you know, Carrie, let's, let's get to your last kind of strategy, because I also want to make sure that we leave, um, our listeners with some really good, um, places and resources that they can go. Cause you kind of talked about those apps and I know there's apps for women to track their periods and I'm not, I'm, going to be honest, I did not know that there were apps specifically designed for menopause. So I really want to hear about that. So what's your fifth strategy? So my fifth strategy is stress <clears throat> management. And that's one of the things I love about your podcast, Angie, is that we talk about mental health on it. And so being able to 
manage the stress that we have because we can't eliminate it completely. There's always going to be stressors that Mm -hmm. learning ways to cope with stress, lessen stress, and just feel better about ourselves is really key. And so the the top three things that I think of when I think of stress management is talk therapy. And that's that's your job, Angie. So I know you can be like, yes, talk about that, Carrie. Um, but also the being able for yourself, a quick thing that you could just start doing right away before you get that appointment with a mental health professional is to start to notice and name things. So say, oh, I'm I'm really having trouble sleeping that's a symptom of my menopause. I'm going to be okay. I can learn some more about this. Or notice and name, oh, I'm getting really stressed out. Uh, My anxiety, oh, I see where that anxiety is because anxiety is also a symptom of menopause transition. So if I notice, if I start to notice those situations um, that, and name them, that often de-escalates the stress feeling. Oh, this is a normal thing that's going on. I need to take a moment and breathe. That can really help lessen that brunt of stress, which yeah. disrupts sleep, which makes it harder to exercise, which makes it harder to eat in right. a way that helps us feel better about our bodies. I think you summed up stress management well. I mean, I spent five years teaching it to university students, and it's what I talk about with my clients. And I agree. It's not just noticing, though. It's not just noticing an awareness. It's also honoring and taking some time to say, you know what? It's okay. I am kind of anxious right now. Um, I've noticed that I have a level of anxiety that I've never had throughout my life. And so without all those feel-good hormones running through my body, yeah, anxiety Um, has found a place and I honor it. And I'm like, okay, there you are again. And you're making me a little bit uncomfortable, but I also know how to manage you and not try to fight with you um, because that's not going to make you go away. So um, Carrie-Ann, I want to reset real quick. So this is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm Angie Miller and I'm talking to Carrie-Ann Madden and we've been talking about menopause and fitness, which to me are like two best friends. Because if you're going to talk about menopause, you should also talk about fitness. And um, we've talked about some strategies. And first and foremost, listen, listen to your friends, listen to your moms, listen to your your fellow uh, female counterparts, listen to everybody because they have a story and they want to talk about what they're experiencing. And you don't need to have solutions. Just listen with both ears and zip up the lips and honor the space that they're in. And then we also talked about um, sleep and we talked about fitness and we talked about um, stress management. And Carrie, before we go, can we name some resources that that trainers and listeners can go to to learn more about menopause and how to be more comfortable through this transition? Excellent. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I would recommend, whether you are a personal trainer or someone going through the menopausal transition, is the North American Menopause Society. They are an evidence-based medical community that actually certifies doctors, uh, OBGYNs, physicians, to specialize in menopause. There's an interesting statistic that uh, recently of doctors surveyed, only one in seven felt confident to help a woman through the menopausal transition. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy, but uh, you know, doctors specialize in podiatry. They specialize in pediatrics. So sure. if someone, it, but this also included OBGYNs. So looking mm-hmm. for uh, a specialist in menopause can really help someone along the way in the learning process, but also in the managing symptoms um, 
process. And they do have a list of providers on there and lots and lots of resources for people to learn more. Okay. Also, so I, the I, North I, American I, Menopause Society. North All right. American Menopause cool. Society. All right. And then I, I love to read, but I uh, don't find the time to sit and read a book. So that's why I love to do podcasts. But I, I listen to podcasts and I listen to books. And so my favorite podcast next to yours is uh, Hit Play, Not Pause. So that is a podcast by Celine Yeager, and she is a fitness writer. And she co-authored authored two books with Dr. Stacy Sims, Roar, which is a wonderful book for those before the menopausal transition who are active, performance-minded women. And then for peri and post people, there is uh, they have a new book out that came out in May called Next Level. So there's a lot of lay people information as well as science information in there uh, to help a trainer or a, a person learn a little bit more about the transition. And then if you want to get really sciencey, I'm going to just reach up on my shelf here and I'm going to grab um, the Menopause Manifesto. Dr. Jen Gunter is a wonderful physician who writes on that as well as I'm going to grab two more for you. Estrogen Matters. All right. And then the last one for learning that I really enjoyed was Dr. Lisa Mosconi. The XX brain. Hmm. So those the are XX those are my, my favorites. Okay. I'm so excited. I'm taking notes over here. I, I forget that I'm even leading this podcast. I'm just taking notes over here. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm glad to be helpful. Yes, yes. So you know what, Carrie Ann, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for sharing all of your expertise and passion about menopause and fitness to all of you listening. I hope that you lean into this topic because um, we it's out there. And you know what, if you if you don't know a lot about it, which a lot of us don't get in there, start to learn about it because trust me, you have a lot of women out there who are suffering, who really want your help and your authenticity in helping them through this journey. So once again, thank you to all of our strong mind, strong body listeners. I hope that things are going amazing for you. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.